Our sermon today is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 to 12. This is the word of God. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall never not go there over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of uh, Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and the mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since uh, in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent to him, him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Thus says the Lord. Thank you. Hi. My name is Joe Bynum. Uh, I am one of the pastors here at CCC, and I am from America. I've been here for like six months, and um, love Indonesia. I especially love the food. Uh, I love working at CCC and really feel blessed to be here and to be one of the pastors. Um, let me pray for us before we read our sermon. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this final Lord's Day in 2019. We thank you that you brought us through this last year, and we pray, Lord, that you would bless us to resolve ourselves in our hearts, Lord, to be better Christians uh, this new year. May you help us, Lord, to be salt and light in a world of darkness, and may you fill us with your spirit, Lord, even today as we gather here now, Lord, um, to learn, Lord, about the scriptures. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, our, our text this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Here we see that the Israelites are finally on the verge of entering the promised land. After 40 years in the wilderness and the death of an entire generation, they are now ready to take possession, finally, of the land of Canaan. But they must enter the land without Moses, their faithful leader, the man who was used miraculously by God to deliver them from slavery in Egypt through many great signs and wonders. So what happened that Moses himself was not permitted by God to enter the promised land? What did he do? Well, in Numbers chapter 20, near the end of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, 
the Israelites came to a desert, a desert of Zin. And there was no water, so they grumbled and complained against Moses and Aaron. And God told Moses and Aaron to gather the people together and speak to the rock so that water would come forth. But as Moses took the staff and gathered the people, in anger he said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then he struck the rock twice with his staff, and water came forth from the rock, just as God had promised. But the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not. Bring this people into the land that I've given them because you failed to trust me enough to honor me as holy before the people. So we see here that Moses disobeyed a direct command from God. And that's why he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. You see, God had commanded Moses to speak to the rock only. But instead... Not only did Moses strike the rock in anger with his staff, he also took credit for the miracle himself instead of giving it glory to God. And because of the publicness of Moses' sin, because he did it in all the sight of Israel, God could not allow it to go unpunished. And so both Moses and Aaron were forbidden by God from entering the promised land. Mercifully, however, God gave Moses the opportunity to see the promised land with his very own eyes before he died and was gathered to his people. So our passage today begins with Moses climbing the top of Mount Nebo, just as God has instructed him, in order to view the land that God had promised to give to Abraham and his descendants. Now, in order to better understand this text more clearly, we'll examine our passage under two headings, two headings. First, the faithfulness of God throughout our journey here on earth. God's faithfulness throughout our journey. And second, God's care for his people even to the very end. God's care for his people even to the very end. But first, the faithfulness of God throughout our journey. Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, to Moses, this is the land that I promised on oath to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over onto it. Now notice the phrase in verse 4, this is the land that I promised on oath to give to your descendants. So what does it mean for God to promise something on oath? Well, the promise that is being referred to in this passage is God's promise to Abraham that he would be blessed and that his descendants would multiply and fill the earth. And this promise, this this promise on oath is God's covenant promise. Speaking to Abraham in Genesis 22, God says, By myself I have sworn, that is, I have made an oath, 
that I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So God's promise on oath, if God's swearing by himself, God confirms his promise to Abraham with an oath, by which he swears by none higher than himself, for he cannot swear by anybody higher than himself. So in bringing the Israelites into the land of Canaan, God is keeping his promise to Abraham that he made with him in the book of Genesis. And swearing upon himself that he will bring it to pass. He will fulfill it. Finally then, here was the promise that all the Israelites and Moses had waited for centuries to be fulfilled. Everyone, including Moses, must have been overwhelmed by God's faithfulness in bringing them to the land of Canaan, the promised land, in spite of their sin and their rebellion. But why? Why was God so faithful to the Israelites, who had done nothing in the wilderness but grumble and complain throughout all their time there? Well, I suppose that both you and I can ask ourselves the same question, can't we? Why is God so very faithful to us in spite of our sin and rebellion on a daily basis? Well, God is faithful to both Israel and to you and to me simply because he loves us and has promised on oath to redeem us through the life, death, and resurrection of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you say, okay, I believe that God loves me, but what does God's faithfulness mean for me in particular, for us as believers? Well, first of all, it, it has reference to election. Did you know that God is faithful to you in this life because he chose to do so before you were even born? God is faithful to you in this life because he chose to do so before you were ever born. You see, not only does God love you, but he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world and adopted you into his family to be a spiritual community, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And guess what else? This also means that your salvation is not dependent upon anything praiseworthy or lovely in you as a person. But your salvation is today and always will be totally a gift of God's love and grace to you. Ephesians 1.5, in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. Now this is good news, right? Why? Because God's love for us is not based on our performance, our appearance, our wealth, or race, or anything that we might admire about ourselves, but rather, his love for us is rooted in his very unchanging character and nature. And therefore, 
God's love for you can never be lost because it was never earned in the first place. And this should bring us comfort as believers, knowing that our God forever loves us. He always has and he always will. Second, God's faithfulness means that through faith, believers are the spiritual partakers of God's covenant promise to Abraham, even though they might not be Abraham's physical descendants. Now, what do I mean by that? You see, only those who are the spiritual descendants of Abraham through faith will truly inherit the heavenly Canaan that awaits God's people. Listen to the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 3. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseen that God would justify or declare righteous the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The promise that God gave to Abraham to bless the nations was a promise of salvation and love. And you today, believers, brothers and sisters, are a recipient of that very promise. You see, the physical land of Canaan was only a type of the heavenly Canaan that both you and I will one day inherit just like Moses and all the other saints before him. And so as believers, we can take comfort in the fact that God is faithful, right? In spite of how long his promises may take place before they are fulfilled. In spite of us feeling that God is not near us oftentimes, we can take comfort in the fact that he's faithful because he will always, always keep his promises that he swore on oath to fulfill. So as believers, we can count on God's faithfulness throughout our journey in this life, in the wilderness of a life that is lived in the midst of a sinful world. God's faithfulness throughout our journey. And the second thing that I want you to see in this passage is God's care for his people even to the very end. God's care for his people even to the very end. Look at verses 5 through 8 with me. And the Lord, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. And he, that is God, buried him in Moab, somewhere in the valley of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. So Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. And the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So there are at least three things that we can learn from the death of Moses. At least three things. His departing from this world in the body. First, that death is the result of sin. Death is the result of sin. Second, that the death of Moses revealed God's fatherly love and care for his people. Third, that God is not indifferent 
to our pain and suffering. But first, death as the result of sin. You see, the reality is that all men, including Christians, and even the most eminent of saints, are subject to physical death in this life on account of sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 5.12, therefore, as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so death passed to all men because all sinned. So too, we see that Moses, as great of a prophet as he was, died the death in the body like all men on account of sin. You see, in the end, even Moses, this eminent saint and leader of Israel, was still a sinner, just like you and just like me. And he was therefore subject to physical death, which for him was merely God's fatherly chastisement for failing to honor him at the waters of Meribah, as I mentioned before. That for believers, it's God's fatherly chastisement to usher them into his presence. So you see, even the Old Testament, great Old Testament prophets had to learn their place in the kingdom of God that salvation comes through grace alone that covers all of our sins. And this truth is so beautifully expressed in the hymn of Augustus Toplady called The Rock of Ages. Listen to it. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill the law's demands, Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. You see, the death of Moses and his sin at the waters of Meribah teach us ultimately that even the best of men, even the very best of men are men at best. And all sinners, however mighty or noble, however great or small, however rich or poor, are completely dependent on the grace of God alone for salvation. And the second thing we can learn from the death of Moses is God's fatherly care for his people. Verse 6, And he, that is God, buried Moses in Moab, in the valley of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Now the text itself does not tell us specifically just how Moses died. But it does mention that the actual body of Moses was important enough to God that he himself personally buried it shortly after Moses' departure from this life. But why? Did God personally bury the body of Moses after his death? Well, I believe that there are at least two reasons. First, did you know that our physical bodies are very important to God? And that he will one day resurrect the very bodies that we have here on earth. And this is one of the reasons that a proper burial was practiced from the days of Abraham who bought the cave in the land of Canaan for Sarah until the time of Jesus, who was also buried in a tomb. And so God himself cares enough about those who are created in his image 
that he makes preparations for their bodies even after they are deceased. And consider this. If God cares so much for us that he's even concerned with the dignity of our physical bodies even after our deaths, then how much more joy, honor, and dignity will he lavish upon our souls when we find ourselves after death in his very presence? Psalm 116, 15. Precious is the sight of the Lord, is the death of his faithful servants. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, God will take care of your souls. He will bless your souls at death and rejoin them to your bodies later. The second reason that God buried the body of Moses in an unlocation was not only to show the consequences of sin, but most likely to prevent his people from turning the grave of Moses into an idolatrous place of worship after his death in the future. So we see that God's burying Moses and hiding his remains was not only out of fatherly love and concern for Moses himself, but it was also out of his love and concern for future generations of Israelites to keep them from committing the sin of idolatry and bringing even further guilt and judgment upon themselves. Third, the third thing that we have to learn from the death of Moses is that God is not indifferent to human pain and suffering. God is not indifferent to human pain and suffering. Did you notice in verse 9 how God allowed the Israelites to grieve in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never grieved for 30 days for anybody or anything. Even out of all the jobs that I've had, I don't even get 30 days sick leave for the whole year. So we can see the, the extravagant mercy of God here. But you see, what this passage is telling us is that God, even though he's holy and transcendent, he's definitely concerned that we're given the proper time to grieve our losses in this life. Especially the loss of a loved one that's created in his, in, in his image. Isn't that incredible? That God cares so much about us that he's concerned that we grieve in a proper manner. You see, here we see that God is often more compassionate to us as human beings than we are to ourselves. I know if someone grieved for 30 days in America, they'd probably be institutionalized and loaded up with like antidepressants or something. But God here is more compassionate to us than we are to ourselves. You see, brothers and sisters, what I want you to see is that you can take comfort in the fact that God is a God who is sensitive to your pain. And he genuinely cares for you. 
and even commands that you take time to grieve your loss, whatever that loss may be. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Paul encourages believers to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn. And you remember that the Lord Jesus Christ himself embodied this very truth as he personally wept at the grave of Lazarus with his sister's mother and Mary. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, all that's fine and good, but it's still not quite fair that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land, right? Especially after all his accomplishments and all the mighty works that God did through him. Wasn't his punishment rather harsh, right? Well, the answer is no, not really. Why? Well, it's important to remember that although the land of Canaan is described in Scripture in such beautiful and stunning imagery, as a land that was flowing with like milk and honey, it was still only an imperfect picture or type of the heavenly Canaan, which Moses immediately entered into upon his physical death. And you'll also remember that Moses himself actually did stand in the land of Canaan with the prophet Elijah, beholding the very glory that he once begged God to see in the Lord Jesus Christ as he was transfigured on a mountain in the Gospels. And guess what? One day, so will you. You will also behold the glory of God in the spirit. You see, the same God who heard the cry of his, the suffering of his people, who called Moses from the burning bush, who overthrew all the gods of Egypt and led his people through the sea on dry land, who preserved Israelites through their wilderness wanderings, who gave them the Ten Commandments and dwelt among his people in the tabernacle, has been fully revealed to us, to both you and to me, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the true and better Moses who has rescued us from the ultimate slavery to sin and death and faithfully led us into the promised land of the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us, Lord, from sin and death and brought us faithfully into the kingdom of your dear son. I thank you, Lord, that we will one day inherit all the promises, Lord, that you once gave to Abraham and that you fulfilled, O oh Lord, throughout the scriptures with all your saints, that we, we ourselves here today, Lord, and all around the world will one day inherit those promises and be ushered into your presence forever to enjoy your glory, to see the very gl glory that Moses himself saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. Thank you so much. Bless us this new year. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.